Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 61 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, it's been a long week. I feel like you and I have had a long week, separately and together. I feel like we recorded two weeks ago. I know, it feels like a, a real lifetime ago. But it wasn't, it was just last week. And yet here we are this week uh, with another uh, banger of an episode, if I uh, may say so myself. But let's lead things off with you and your IRL interactions. You, so you keep having these things. Yeah, the, the, a few weeks ago was my co-host, uh, Brian Hasty of Double Density. And uh, last week, it was our friend Tyler Renard of the RGBA podcast, where we finally met to uh, for him to give me my accidental tech podcast dad hat that uh, we both ordered. And uh, it was fun. There's a picture on Instagram of me with him. If you want to go look, go take a so look. So you, you recognized each other like right off the bat? Well, uh, I wasn't sure where he was. And then I, he told me he was going to skate over because he works a few blocks away. And uh, yeah, there was a guy with a skateboard looking at his iPhone 10. Very jealous of the cool iPhone 10. He showed me some cool stuff with his iPhone 10. He has the uh, new uh, beta for iOS 12 because he's a developer. So he gets the developer beta. And uh, it's very cool. Showed me, um, what are they called? Memoji? Yes. Yes, he showed me Memoji. This, that stuff, as trivial as it is, the tech on it is really impressive. I believe it. And it hooks you. That's why you want to buy that phone. Well, he was just showing me how it tracks his face, his eyes. It's really cool. Uh, so, like, where's there a bro hug? Uh, no, we shook hands and... Uh, we exchanged, uh, actually, I didn't give him money. I sent him a, an e-transfer, but uh, yeah, he gave me the cap and we took a picture. Very happy. And then uh, later on in the week, his co-host, uh, Alex, helped me compress the new show art for our show with some fancy tools that he has at his disposal. So it's a one-two hit from the RGBA guys. Yeah, I'm like inserting myself into their lives. Uh, uh. <laughs> is this going to be like a single white female, like a cable guy type of situation? Like, uh, so RGBA, right? Like, have you claimed the A in RGBA yet? I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, maybe they'll discuss what it stands for on the next episode. I, I do know that I, I I texted them this week and they were recording. And I had no idea they were actually recording, which is kind of funny. Or did you know and you actually just wanted to disrupt? Uh, maybe. I'm invading through the Google Homes. I, on the other hand, have met no one off the internet over the past week. If anyone is interested in running into me, uh, you can always <laughs> at me at Brian Hasty Brian with an I. I'm always, always happy to. Uh, I've had like a long history of like awkward internet run-ins, I guess would be the best way of putting it, right? So like uh, a successful internet run-in is like rare to me, one that doesn't feel like socially awkward. So uh, I'm sort of waiting uh, for it to happen. Like I met my first uh, like major girlfriend uh, on the internet. Oh, wow. Yeah. She messaged me on AOL Instant Messenger. You actually used Abe? Yeah, I, I had a lot of American uh, friends on the internet. See, I never had that here. Uh, we used to use MSN Messenger. That was the big one in Canada. Well, the, Canada and Australia were big on MSN, and then AIM was kind of like the rest of the world, especially the United States, I feel. For sure. I used to hear people talk about AIM, and I had no idea what it was at first. Then I looked it up, and I realized what it was. But uh, yeah, we all used Messenger here for the longest time, and now people just use iMessage. A friend of mine is trying to make me believe that if you log into a Hotmail address that there's a messaging tab, which I do not believe. He's been telling me he's been waiting for me to respond to things for months at this time, and I, I, I think he's trolling. Ooh, Hotmail. I have not logged into my Hotmail account, what, 15 years, I guess? No. What's your, so what, was your, what was your first email address? Oh, okay. I was a Buffy fan back in the 90s, the late 90s. So my first email address was angelus 
at simpatico.ca. Oh, boy. It wasn't like <laughs> hot for Buffy 420? No, it was not. That's too bad. That. Mine was, uh, uh, so uh, I've used the, the moniker Where Were You in a bunch of places, and um, it sort of started as Genesis where my friend and I used to record ourselves onto a cassette tape from a boombox, right? So we'd pretend, you know, we were like 10, 11 years old pretending to have like a radio station. So it kind of uh, stuck with that. Uh, my friend's though was Ike and Kyle uh, because of South Park. Okay, so his name was not Ike and Kyle? Kyle? No, neither of those, but he very much enjoyed the Broflosky children, so he went with that, which I thought was kind of weird, but hey, whatever, when you're 10 or 11, kind of makes sense. Wasn't Ike uh, Canadian? Yes, he was. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so mine was uh, We Radio at Hotmail, and his was Ike and Kyle at Hotmail. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you email either of them, no one's going to answer you, so don't do yeah. that. And we chat mostly through iMessage, and uh, funny enough, Google Hangouts. That's right. Yeah, the workplace uh, messenger of choice, more or less. Yeah, because I'm not really on my phone very much at work. It's uh, it's a podcast machine when I'm at work, and uh, it's easier for you to pop up on my uh, screen. So there we go. Not that I spend a lot of time messaging you while I'm at work. I work very hard. Yeah, the hardest. Yes. Moving on from IRL to uh, online interactions, I think this may be the biggest and best fellow kids moment of the show so far on, on all of our 61 episodes. Angelo, you <laughs> tried Fortnite for iOS. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was watching the E3 stuff with my kids for Nintendo, even though we don't have a Switch, but we do like Nintendo. And uh, they were showing a game and it was Fortnite. And I keep hearing talk. I've heard about Fortnite. Fortnite's been in the works for years from what I can tell. And finally now it's been out. It's the biggest thing. And I've never tried it. And I know it's free and I have a powerful iPad and iPhone and I can use it on that. I don't feel like running it on my Mac or my PS4. And so I finally decided, let me try it uh, for the podcast's sake. Right. Doing it for the pod. Uh, oh, you said pod. As the kids would say, because no, well, I'm inferring what a younger millennial or a Generation Z would say, right? They're, they're doing it for the pod. Yeah, well, I did it for the pod. And um, I've lost my taste for uh, those types of games, I guess. It's really well made. It's impressive that it runs like that on an iPad. Um, the amount of people playing is incredible. I think like there's 125 million playing that game. That sounds about right, yeah. And um, it's free. Like, it's mostly free. Anybody could play it whenever they want for free. Um, like, you can buy, like, space bucks in it or whatever they are. <laughs> like, just You, you clearly took a lot of meticulous notes while playing. So the first time I tried to play it, uh, I tried to sign up. And the sign-up process on my iPad, not great. So I signed up on the web the next day. Uh, I gave it a try. And uh, I was terrible at it. Really terrible. No so idea you, what I was doing. You're not even ranked. No, not ranked. And I, I couldn't figure out, like, I guess because it's free, I can't change what my avatar looks like. And it's like the few times I tried it, I kept getting a, a random avatar. I don't know if that's how it works or not. I felt really old playing this game. Would you give it another shot? It's still on my iPad. I mean, I could try it. I have a lot of trouble controlling it, though. I've never been good at playing games on iOS devices. I've never really enjoyed... Um, "Quote unquote real games," I guess you would call them, like a, right. like like what you'd see on a PlayStation Four or an Xbox or, or a Nintendo game, uh, a Nintendo game like where you're using a controller. Those games are usually terrible. It controls okay. It's just I don't get it. I don't know what's happening. I the first time I played, I got stuck in like a storm or something because the 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 map keeps shrinking and I didn't realize this, so I ran towards this weird purple thing and then it killed me. 
Oh, well, uh, clearly so run, yeah, your quest for greatness starts here. Yes, do not run towards uh, weird purple walls of fire and stuff. So, yeah, um, the thing is, it's one of those free-to-play games, right? And I don't know how I feel about free-to-play games. How about you? I like them. I don't know. I think that uh, as well as there's like a, a a sandbox big enough for me to play without spending too much money in it, I, I appreciate those things. Something that's free to play that always feels like not not wrong, but I'm like wondering what do people get out of this? But then I see how much you can spend on like making your character your own. And I think people love that. Well, yeah, the the cost of skins and things like that. That's that's what it is. It's the customization that you pay for, right? Yeah. And I, I, I think that Fortnite's not on the scummy side of things on these things because a lot of them are really scummy, right? Uh, there's a fair amount of them. Like there was the the EA uh, Star Wars game from a little while ago that was kind of scummy with their uh, scheme, like their their pay- the loot boxes and all that. Well, loot boxes and then like seasons pass season passes, right? Which in older times would have been known as you know before DLC, it would just be known as an add on and generally speaking or an update, and those would have been given away for free. But a lot of uh, different publishers have figured out how to monetize um, incremental shifts in the game, I guess, uh, to their maximum benefit. Yeah, Nintendo didn't really figure this out with their first uh, iOS game they let out with um, uh, Mario Run, which I love. It's really good. And uh, they made a big deal out of how it's free for the first level and stuff, but then you have one in that purchase and it's that's it. They're never going to bother you again for money. And they made a big deal out of it. I think they charged 10 bucks for it. Yeah, it was 10, 11 bucks. Really good game, really fun. My kids like it. Do you feel like maybe like Fortnite was on the wrong platform for you? Like if you had sat down and played it on your Mac, it would have been like if it was a Mac OS? Well, you can, I can get it on Mac OS if I really wanted to. It's just I didn't feel like downloading it on my, my Mac. I don't really like playing games on my Mac. I don't know why. Never really been a big fan. I've played a few games. I think I played the Stanley Parable on the Mac, which is really cool, actually. Um, maybe I'll give another shot on my Mac. I feel Should like I it may that? be like a preferred... Yeah, let's let's do an update for next week. Like, spend a couple hours, and I'm kind of interested. Because I feel like maybe... Like, what I'm hearing from you is that you are not interested in uh, using your iPad for video gaming. And I feel like this might be more of a desktop um, endeavor for you, right? Maybe. I'll give it a shot. I'll see. I'll see how I feel. We'll see. I'm not promising anything that we're going to have this next week. Maybe uh, while I'm on vacation, I'll give it a shot. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, maybe on a day off, I'll give it a shot. Who knows? The other question uh, people have been asking about Fortnite is, can it be dangerous? Like, there's this weird moral panic. There's an excellent article on 9to5Mac by uh, Bradley Chambers. Um, and it's a, it's an, an interesting overview of how people are thinking this is another one of these things that's going to ruin society. And uh, as people may know or, or may not know about me, this is one of my biggest pet peeves. Moral panic? Yeah. Something comes out, it's going to ruin society. You know, they said this about comic books, about rock and roll. Um, Sony Walkman was going to make children walk out into traffic and die. TV. Uh, TV. TV's the worst. With TV came video games that you could play on TV. And then Mortal Kombat came out. And, you know, you know, there's all these fears that people have that are, are always unfounded because there's no proof of this. I mean, conceptually speaking, there is no proof. And, you know... Uh, experientially speaking, I don't think there's any proof either because a lot of these different stories that come out and sort of like suggest that there's problems really just uh, cherry pick, um, you know, certain scenarios where there are other factors at play uh, in order to make a point, right? And just, that's just a, a different kind of confirmation bias as you, one of your favorite terms to use, of course. Yeah, exactly. Like, so let's say a six-year-old who's playing Call of Duty 
is <laughs> a pretty, no, but like, well, hear me out. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay, is, okay. is acting out at school and stuff. Well, first of all, a six-year-old shouldn't be playing Call of Duty. So it's not the video game's fault. Maybe there's other issues there where a parent is letting a six-year-old play Call of Duty. That's part of the problem, maybe? Oh, you're discussing the idea of personal responsibility when it comes to your children. Yeah. I don't want to get too preachy on this and all that. I mean, I'm not the perfect parent either. Um, you know, Have I you bought kids... any of your kids machetes? No, but they play with knives and fire. <laughs> you're just... I I think I'm a, a pretty decent parent, but I'm very lucky as well to live with a professional. Right. So my, my wife is literally trained in uh, taking care of young children. But what you're saying is that you this gives you an entryway into being the bad cop or the good cop. More like the mediocre cop who okay. doesn't know what he's doing. The bumbling, <laughs> the bumbling Fuso-esque Who's uh, always detective. dropping his nightstick and his gun discharged once and he doesn't want to talk about it. Double density. Fortnite isn't the only game that we want to talk about uh, this week. It's a very video game heavy kind of a tech section this week. It's kind of fun. Um, and I feel like, congrats, uh, you've only tangentially decided to speak about um, all things Apple through Fortnite iOS. So thank you for that. But uh, other big news that has come up this week is that a new Smash Brothers game is coming out. Uh, and uh, a beloved or infamous, depending on who you are, a character has been snubbed yet again. You sent me an article by Gene Park from the Washington Post. And uh, <laughs> it's also the, like way too long for what it is. Yeah, it's it also it's in the Washington Post, which kind of made me laugh. But the, the picture is great. It's like a sad, sad Waluigi just left in the dirt, dead. Right. So he's been snubbed once again uh, through Smash Brothers, right? So Smash Brothers Ultimate will be coming out. And he is known as an assist character, right? So he's not even a palette swapped character. He's a character who helps other characters. Yeah, I've played a lot of um, Smash Brothers on the Wii U. It's a fun game. And uh, Ultimate looks like it's going to be even better. Are you ranked, it, bro? No, I'm not. I'm... I'm really bad at Smash Brothers, but uh, I play with the kids. It's fun to play with the kids because you can just use any controller and you can play really well. And uh, yeah, the, the, he's just demoted to this random assist trophy that he'll get from time to time. And he's not even a playable character. Even uh, Daisy is a playable character, which is what they talk about in this article. People so are Daisy out. from the original Game Boy uh, Mario game. Yeah. 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 Like the, the Peach stand-in. Yeah, the, the palette-swapped Peach is now is also a playable character in this game, right? They do not say palette-swapped for this game. It's an Whatever. Echo Fighter, it's, Brian. It... Echo Fighter. I just feel like it's a fancy word to mean nothing, right? Like, let's just call it what it is. Back in my day, you know, uh, we called them Reptile. We called them Sub-Zero. We called them Scorpion. Noob Sabot. Palette-swaps. Yeah. Um, Ermac. Oh, right. Ermac. How could I forget Ermac? And uh, this begins the Double Density series on the various palette swap ninjas of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Stay tuned for a six-parter. You know, we'll, we'll go really in deep. We'll talk to uh, Mortal Kombat creators Boone and Tobias all about this, I think. But yeah, getting back to Waluigi, it's kind of funny because the, the Washington Post article makes a really good point of um, uh, Waluigi kind of being like this flavorless, colorless kind of like being that just exists to exist, right? So the idea is that he is a character not made up of what he is, but actually of what he isn't. Well, I've always had my complaints about Waluigi because it makes no sense, right? Wario is Mario with an upside down M. So it's Wario, also like war. He's scary. He's mean. Um, but Waluigi doesn't really make sense. So what do you name him? That's the thing. If you flip the L in Luigi, it's just like a seven. Sure. Sure. Or a T almost. A T. 
that's that's a little bit closer to what we want to reach here. TG? In yeah. But I do agree with you that like it, it kind of the nomenclature makes no sense, right? So it's kind of like this weird thing where he exists to just exist, as I was saying before. Yeah, I didn't realize this that he he made his first appearance in Mario Tennis. Yes, for the N sixty four, one of the greatest games of all time. Well, there's a good tennis game that just came out on the uh, Switch. Another reason I want to buy one. Don't care. You don't care? No, I do. Of course, I do. I just I don't own a Switch right now, so that's why I, I know. Care. Me too. It makes me sad. I see all these great games coming out that I actually want to play. And meanwhile, my PS4 is gathering dust. <laughs> meanwhile, you want to play Fortnite on Mac OS. I'm not making any promises again. Don't come back playing. to this podcast until you've won a match. Okay, my friend. Oh my God, that's not going to happen ever. <laughs> <laughs> We're going on hiatus for the summer. <laughs> like even in my peak playing games where I used to play Call of Duty with like a clan and everything. You joined a clan? Yeah, I was part of a clan. Uh, I, I think I, some of the some of the members of that clan actually listen to this podcast. Tell me um, more. I'm kind of intrigued. Yeah, we were called the Coffin Dodgers because we were all old. <laughs> That's a good name for you. Yeah, it was good. It was a fun. It was a fun clan. Like they, a lot of them still play. I'm sure they do. It's just I kind of lost interest in online shooting. Um, I kept in touch with some of them through Facebook. Good people. It was fun. I think they listen to the podcast. If they do, shout out. Hi. Uh, I'm learning a little bit about you every uh, single uh, episode here on Double Density. So next week, I'm I want to learn another fact about you. I'm going to keep digging. Test your might. <laughs> Uh, so you and your kids are watching a lot of Nintendo E3 stuff, I'd imagine, right? So a lot of YouTube videos. Uh, and so you mentioned before wanting a Switch. That's Is that something that's in your plans for the next fiscal year? It is, I'm hoping. And uh, something that sort of has made that easier along the lines of YouTube is, and hear me out, I'll explain why that's made it easier, okay? We were watching all these videos on YouTube, and YouTube's great. And finally, something came out in Canada that's made it greater, um, and that's YouTube Premium. Previously known as YouTube Red, which sounded too much like a certain type of site that uh, would another kind of children. tube site, if you were uh, yes. willing to sort of uh, th- think about it for a sec. Do you know what YouTube Premium is? It's YouTube Red. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's an ad-free. It's an ad-free form of YouTube, is from what I understand. And you know, when somebody said, "Oh, you'll pay ten bucks a month or eleven, I guess in this case, and you'll get." Um, YouTube without ads. And I was always like, you know, YouTube ads aren't that bad. Who cares? And I'm not really interested in any of the content that comes with YouTube Red or YouTube Premium. But you get a Google Music, a YouTube Music uh, subscription with it, which now means I can ask my uh, Google Home to play anything I want, and it'll play it because it has access to all the songs, not just radio stations. So that is going to allow me to save a little bit of money by not really needing a HomePod at this point. Right. Uh, so at first Google invaded your home. Now Google is invading your wallet. Yes, but they're also stealing money away from Apple. If you look at it sure, that way. Sure. Let's, let's go that way. Yeah, I'm just trying I, to talk I, about you and your case. Anyway, look, it's free until September because it's a three-month free trial. And I have to say, watching YouTube without ads is amazing. I did not expect it to be that much better, but it really is. Have you tried listening to any music on it with your Google Homes? Yeah, we've asked uh, the Google Home uh, to play some music. Uh, it works really well. And the other thing, I started watching Cobra Kai, the uh, follow-up to Karate Kid with all the with uh, Daniel Russo and uh, Johnny Lawrence from the original movie. And it is way better than it has any right being. That's what I keep hearing. Everyone keeps telling me, anyone with a YouTube subscription keeps telling me that it's actually worth checking out. 
it's one of the more entertaining TV shows I've watched in a while. Like really good. And uh, is it worth the price of subscription? Well, if you, for a couple of months at least. Well, if you watch it for the first three months, yes, it's absolutely worth the price of free. <laughs> uh, nothing beats free. Nothing beats free, but I'm I'm going to keep my YouTube uh, subscription running. I think I like having no ads, uh, and if the content they start acquiring is of this quality, again, it had no right being this good. I really thought when I found out about it, I was kind of sad that they were going to do this, but it is so funny, so much fun, so well done, and really self-aware. Do you remember maybe like 20, 25 episodes ago, we're talking about um, Apple TV and their strategy? Yes. Um, they recently got a deal with Oprah, actually. Right, right. But So they're slowly acquiring content providers. But do you think it's going to be like too little too late? Because right now, Hulu, Netflix, and even YouTube are way ahead of the content game right now, right? Yeah, and don't forget Amazon. Right, they're, of course. Right. They're all way ahead. Um, YouTube's like the furthest behind in terms of high quality original content um but you know you have to start somewhere isn't there a show where kevin hart works out with people is there i didn't notice I think that so. there might be yeah that sounds like fun and uh, um but yeah just I was, i'm just trying to make the point that like apple's far behind even youtube at this point in terms of being able to push out content into the their channels way I'm behind channels loosely here not literal tv channels yeah they have carpool karaoke which I've never watched um, other than the ones with James Corden and he's not even on this new one. And they have that garbage called uh, planet of the apps. Right. That was really bad. So apart from that, there's, there's not much out there for uh, a lover of all things uh, content wise. If you're an avid Apple supporter right now, right? No. And they're not, I think they're kind of like collecting things first. They have some interesting ideas in the pipeline. We'll see how it shakes out. I'm not quite sure how they're going to put it. I did notice the other day, in the Apple TV app, like the specific TV app on Apple mm-hmm. TV, uh, they had moved a lot of their video content to that, like Carpool Karaoke was actually front and center there now. Right, so they're slowly learning how to advertise themselves. Double density. Last things last here on the docket uh, for the tech section of episode 61 is an article I linked you to from Motherboard, uh, Motherboard which is a vice article, and it's all about uh, lost video games and the hoarding of uh, perceived lost video games, too, I guess would be the best way of explaining it. It's incredible that just now they're discovering what sixty-seven gigabytes of ROMs on a private forum. Well, yeah, just... in a folder marked "Do not upload." Yeah, I guess somebody uploaded it. Right. So it's the idea that this game Labyrinth was supposed to uh, come out in uh, ninety-eight, ninety-seven, ninety-eight, I believe, and uh, so people actually didn't even believe that this thing existed. And here we are finding it twenty years later. Right. I, I find these kinds of things interesting, like these treasure trails, these things that, you know, have been lost to time. They're really not. They're just, um, you know, and I, I feel like that this, this is kind of an uh, analogous to like the, the dark web, right? So the idea of the public facing web, um, public offerings, things that we know to exist, right? So the idea that, uh, for example, if you wanted to go onto iTunes and rent Schindler's List, you know that exists, right? Yes, I do. So, uh, but on the other hand, there are things like the movie, The Day the Clown Cried. Do you know about that? no that sounds sort of familiar right so it's a it's a jerry lewis movie where he oh, yes. uh plays a clown in a concentrating game but it's it's played for laughs yeah it's a, it's like sort of like a, a song of the south thing you're never gonna find that yeah exactly so um apparently like there's not that many copies in the movie right so they realized upon completion that totally not a good move to do right so they you think 
Um, so, uh, there are only a certain number of copies and Jerry Lewis, uh, donated a copy to the library of Congress with the stipulation that it not be played until I think it's 2023 or 2024, right? So the idea that, um, long after he's getting on this film will be uh, screened, right? But the idea that like it exists like at a layer far below, um, public facing things. Right. And, and there's a lot of these different circles that trade in these kinds of things, right. That, um, lost pieces of media or rare pieces of media, um, like bootleg culture, right? Like if you take a look at, at films or movies, you know, the different director's cuts that you can only be able to buy, like on bootleg VHSs and later like bootleg DVDs and, uh, it, it, like music too. Right. So studio takes, et cetera. And so like this idea that it exists like below, uh, what is public facing. There's this idea out there that you can find everything on the internet, but there's actually a lot of stuff that you can't find. Oh, absolutely. I think the rarer and more niche it gets, the more it's obscured, right? So you don't, and a lot of people don't even know a lot of these things exist anyways, right? So it's, it's harder to find if you don't spend time, you know, reading interviews, reading articles, understanding, you know, uh, like for example, like where did this publisher go? What happened to their assets, et cetera? Yeah. One, one thing I used to do a lot when I was a kid, um, was record music videos because, you know, they weren't always on and you'd want to watch them again. Like, for example, the Thriller video, uh, one of the first things I recorded with a VCR was the Thriller video because it was such a cool video. And now you can just go online and find it without a problem. It's weird, right? I was thinking about that today. I was um I don't remember what I was listening to, but there was this album that had outtakes on it that previously only existed on bootleg. And I was like, you know, like 15 years ago, I spent so much time trying to track this out online. And now it's just available through a, an app officially. Well, what about me spending 70 bucks on a double CD of Alanis Morissette playing live? Well, you know, we all had our vices at the time. Yeah, and now it's just, I look on Apple Music and hey, Alanis Morissette live concert. Or I can actually watch a live concert on YouTube. I was about to say, a lot of this stuff that has been ripped to YouTube, right, that just uh, exists kind of like in a, well, it's not even a gray zone, really. It's 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 kind of a, a no-no zone, really. I just remembered now, I actually had a... VHS tape of an Alanis Morissette concert that somebody taped through, like, they, were, they had the cameras at the show, and it was, uh, like, off the board, if you will, like, the actual yes. uh, video of the concert, and uh, it was a bootleg, and I don't know where that went. I'm sure I spent, like, 50, 60 bucks on it. No idea where it is. Right. I, yeah, I definitely, I spent money on a System of Down uh, cam show uh, when they played in Montreal years and years and years ago that I was Yes, at. it was a cam show. That's the right way of calling it. Okay. Well, that takes on an entirely different meaning uh, <laughs> here in modern times. But to us, people who used to collect bootlegs, uh, it was always just a, a fact of life. I'm curious, though, if any of our listeners have you know, uh, embraced still in this age in 2018 uh, bootleg culture or you know, if there's pieces of like gray uh, market media that you're you know, consuming or interested in or have been searching for. If you want to hit us up at double underscore density on Twitter, facebook.com slash double density podcast, same thing on Instagram. Or if you want to send us a piece of electronic mail through double density.net, we'd love, love, love to hear about what you uh, search for, what you've collected, what you hope to find in the future. You know, like one of the crazy things too is actually with the resurgence of vinyl, I was able to find a bunch of um, bootleg Queens of the Stone Age stuff uh, for relatively cheap. So I, you know, that I picked up a couple of years ago, some studio takes, um, some live stuff that I never thought I would see. And it was kind of weird, you know, in, in 2014, 2015, being able to pick up a piece of vinyl, look at it and be like, this is a bootleg, but I'm going to buy it anyways. That's kind of neat because Queens of the Stone Age takes things down off YouTube very quick. Yeah, exactly. So it's weird to see these things too. It's a, it's a, a European festival appearance, I think, around the rated R era, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it was, it was really weird to see. And I was like, you know what? This is actually worth my money and my time. Pretty neat. And with that, Angelo, I will see you in the paranormal section. Go 
evening, everybody, or morning or afternoon or whatever. My name is Adam. And I'm Matt. And we are Graveyard Tales. Now, if you like stories of ghosts, hauntings, the paranormal, preternatural, and the downright weird, and you enjoy a few laughs as well, then you should probably check us out. Find us anywhere you get your podcast. Come join our Facebook group at Graveyard Tales Podcast or on Twitter at G-R-V-E-Y. Just go search Graveyard Tales. That would be easier. We look forward to seeing you in the graveyard. See you soon. Space Force, eh? As always, here in Double Ed, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal. And of course, the first thing on the docket this week is Space Force. Yeah, this news came out relatively recently. Like, I don't even know where to start with this. So the idea, like, he's been talking about this for a while. Like, let's, this is, like, the big news is that he wants to formalize this as a branch of the military. Like, that's the big news this week. Because Different, he's been, but equal. He's it's been talking about this plan. for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and like, this isn't a new concept, the idea of space force, right? Like, it, 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 oh, I don't even know where to go with this. I just, it's so unbelievable that like, we can't solve our problems on earth. And now we have to look upwards into the sky and worry about those things too. Right. I'm starting to wonder if maybe he got, a, came across some documents that came across his desk that he actually read. And then one was about like the secret uh, space police that we have or that the U.S. government the has. Astronaut Corps, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, hey, I could do a better job than the secret one. I'm going to do full on real one. Maybe he's going to have like a um, reality show to like get some good astronauts in there. I don't know. So I have a couple of theories about Space Force. Okay, okay. I want you to. Okay, okay. And I, I, I was telling you this one today. Uh, I believe that the prevailing one is that uh, Donald Trump years ago uh, was falling asleep watching the TV, right? Mm-hmm. You know, MSNBC, Fox News, whatever, wakes up watching Starship Troopers, doesn't understand what's going on. For 10 minutes, he thinks it's a documentary. <laughs> he realizes we need Space Force in our lives to save us from these gigantic bugs. Was he not president yet, though? No, no, no. This, no. Is, this is like a long gestating idea. He's like, when I ascend to the throne of the presidency, I have to, uh, you know, sort of begin my ultimate plan uh, for space colonization and militarization. The best would be if he actually uh, came across the uh, alien files that everybody seems to talk about, uh, just blows past disclosure and decides that he's got to protect us all. Better idea. What if he watched the uh, black and white UFO autopsy, like the alien autopsy uh, video from like the 90s, right? That we covered in one of our first episodes. And he still believes his documentary, despite like everyone around him in his cabinet being like, no, sir, this is actually like, like fictional this isn't real, sir. There's three frames of it, apparently, that are real, Brian. But three whole frames, and yet he believes that the entire 20-minute uh, video is, is real. Like, I, I, It doesn't seem impossible at this point. No, it doesn't. Any, at this point, um, anything seems possible. I'm curious to see where this develops. Um, from what I understand, the Air Force is livid about this, and so is the Pentagon. Nobody's happy about this. I think even his, his Secretary of Defense came out against this idea. Well, <laughs> it's only a matter of time until it gets done because everyone's scared of getting fired, right? So I don't know what's going on in there. One last theory, though, before I forget. Go. Two words for you, Alex Jones. You think he put this idea in his head? Oh, of course. He slipped him a file. on a, In a manila envelope on his desk with like a top secret stamp, like not even a real one. And there's like a ton of sweat, like Alex's Jones, like sweat all over the envelope because he delivered it himself because he's going to trust anyone else. No, of course not. I, I think about it, though. Think about it. Yeah, I, I think I think it's 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 a definite possibility. I'm picturing it now. You have the top secret stamp. Everything's there. 
above top secret, actually. Ultra above top secret. Do you think that that's how security works there? That the more words you add, the more Donald Trump believes that it's like luxuriously ultra top beyond secret. That he's like, it's the highest level of secret. That would not shock me. Um, Recently, he hugged the flag. (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah, he hugged it. The only only upside to this... The only upside to this, you know, malarkey is uh, the number of memes that have come out. Like, remember when he was yelling at that guy, the kid for uh, cutting that grass? Yes. You want to join Space Force? Exactly. Yeah. Just the idea. And I love the idea that knowing like Space Force isn't going to be like a proper military, but really like really unfortunate bureaucrats. Like, what do we do with all the space debris? Like Mars keeps yelling at us. I don't know what to do. Like, do we have the zoning permits for this sector? Like a really boring version of Starfleet. It'll be handy to have if uh, an asteroid is careening towards the Earth, though. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. Well, maybe uh, not. It would be kind of inept. Who knows? Uh, we're bordering on political here. So, uh, Brian, you saw a movie this week. Yes, yeah, so I'm moving on from one piece of fiction to another. I did see Hereditary this week. Uh, very interesting horror movie. Uh, unlike a lot of horror movies I've seen recently, I, if I had to describe it, I'd say it's very uh, a trauma-based horror movie, if that makes any sense. You have to kind of see it to understand what I mean. Uh, but it has to do with a lot trauma of Trauma like, or trauma? Trauma. Though Trauma Studios is uh, a big favorite of mine, Lloyd Kaufman, you are uh, a near deity to me in my heart. I got the chance to meet him a couple of years ago, and it was great. Yeah, this movie, uh, I don't know anything about it. I didn't even look up the uh, trailer for it because I wanted to be uh, unspoiled as you spoke about it. So the good news, though, and I'm not going to do a spoiler or anything. The good news, though, uh, to anyone who is planning on seeing it, is that everything you see in the trailer is pretty much in the first 30 minutes of the movie. Which is usually unheard of, and I I love that. I love the fact that like I was like, I don't know if you do this, but like when I go see movies, I kind of like catalog the trailer in my mind before going in, uh, unwittingly sometimes, and then I kind of tick off what I've seen. And, and I had reached down to the bottom of this uh, mental scorecard and realized that most of it had been ticked off in the first thirty minutes. And I was like, this is great. Well, uh, what I've done lately, I, I've done this for a couple of movies. It started with uh, Spider Man Homecoming, where I saw nothing. I, I didn't watch the trailer at all. And I enjoyed the movie that much more because of it. I did that for uh, The Last Jedi. Didn't see the trailer at all. And I only saw a couple of images of Infinity War. And that was great. I wasn't spoiled at all for any of these movies. And I really appreciated that. So I try not to watch trailers at all anymore. Unless it's something I don't really care about. Me neither. But then, you know, if I go see a movie, I'm stuck watching the trailers at the beginning of the movie. Or like, I can't really avoid them. Um, so I had seen the trailer months ago and I really enjoyed it. But um, a part of what the movie is really interesting and part of what we want to talk about with this episode is the idea of... Uh, the otherworldly, I guess, would be the best way of putting it, right? So uh, in tandem with seeing Hereditary, which um, covers a little bit about uh, like the afterlife and seances and things like that, uh, I also linked you to an amazing uh, piece of material that you and I should start a Kickstarter to go buy. And uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Where do we begin to talk well, about the like the how would you pronounce this the trisacri the trisacri ghost the the boondi ghost trisacri right ghost repellent box s-a-k-s-r-i now look before we start talking about it go to your little podcast app press on the thing that has this show note item yeah look at it first because it looks like a a box with a fan in it and a red light yeah. Yeah. 
uh, go look at the show notes for this because uh, it's it's great to look. And as you scroll down, you're going to be wondering, hmm, how much does this cost? And you hit the bottom and suddenly you see price to the United States in US dollars, 1500 plus $140 shipping. What are they shipping it in? Uh, uh, gold, I hope. Some kind of $140 shipping. That's excessive. Hear, hear me out, Angelo. They built a structure that's also ghost repellent to ship it in. Oh, that makes sense. It, it <laughs> ships in a lead box. Right. So basically, there, it's a, it, so it's supposed to, like, it's supposed to act like, uh, uh, like one of those ghost busting devices, right? So the idea is that there's a video camera and a condenser mic to capture the sounds and lights. And then, um, there's an LED indicator to indicate, you know, uh, levels of input. And then, um, and the idea is that they'll capture video of the ghost and then uh, create a radio signal uh, and then allow you to listen to it. So I'm just reading. It says, just place this device inside your house and switch on. And in my head, I'm like, this thing's going to catch fire. But then it continues, all ghosts and devil will leave away your home and won't come back again. Now who run away? You are a ghost. Save money in finding your new home. You forgot the, who the first sentence. Who is phone? You forgot the the first sentence of the paragraph, which I think really lays down the laws. You or someone may have experience with ghost or devil after bought new second house, a hand house from the former owner. Uh, so this reminds me. So I'm on a Nathan for you binge right now. And uh, there's an episode where Nathan for you, uh, gets involved with a real estate agent. And his whole idea is that the uh, real estate agent is like the paranormal real estate agent. So there's like, he's saying like 50% of people believe in ghosts. So why don't you make your houses certified ghost free? And so he hires a, a medium and then he also hires someone to exercise the house. Oh boy. Uh, for presumably less than almost 1700 bucks. But this, you just leave it inside your home running. Yeah. That's the, the idea is you stick it somewhere and then you're supposed to let it go. And you have no idea what's inside this thing. It's there's one piece literally being held together with a twisty tie. Yeah. I don't know if I'd trust this thing to not make my house catch fire. <laughs> Which would definitely repel yeah, all ghosts sure. and devils. Actually, no, devils are attracted to fire, no? My favorite is at the bottom where there's the copyright notice, and then it says, get rid of ghost and devil out of your house. <laughs> also, uh, they have a Gmail address to which they accept credit cards, PayPal, wire transfer, and uh, cash somehow. So mailing them $1,640 in cash seems like a really, really good idea. Yeah, I would just take a picture of the cash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but that leads me to to want to talk about like other ways you can get rid of ghosts, uh, such as pointing to the door and saying, leave. Yeah. Get reading out. Them, reading them bedtime stories, I think is a, is a really factual kind of thing. So like when you get into the house and they say, get out, you just say, no, you get out. Yeah. No, you, you first, sir or ma'am, whoever you are, get out, please. Indignantly almost like you gotta, you gotta let the ghost know who's boss, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's the best way to do it. Uh, Eddie Murphy said it best. Actually, Eddie Murphy just said, I'm just leaving. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, actually. That's a very good point. Uh, but yeah, there's a variety of ways. You don't necessarily need to spend like $1,640 on this. Uh, when you, you know, uh, start counting that in Canadian, it's almost 2000 bucks, right? So, Well, my, my tip of the day for not getting haunted is to not believe in ghosts. Because oh. uh, the everything I've read about hauntings and stuff is, it doesn't happen to people that don't believe in ghosts. That is very true. But you can't even believe just a little. Right. You can't leave that door open. You have to be a total skeptic, like complete, right. like James Randian type of skeptic. 
You also, uh, and we'll put this in the show notes, link to a really interesting article uh, from The Atlantic from a couple of years ago by Colin Dickey called The Broken Technology of Ghost Hunting. So the idea that the uh, equipment that people use when they ghost hunt largely um, is broken fundamentally, right? So the idea is that there's enough room uh, for doubt there because these uh, items aren't um, expertly crafted enough that it leaves the door open once again to uh, being able to, uh, in theory, talk to otherworldly creatures. Well, what happens is all these glitches create the sense that there's something otherworldly going on, but it's just shoddy technology that is glitchy and it creates these weird spikes in whatever it's supposed to be trying to figure out. Um, so like with the MF readers, uh, the crappiest one is the one that people seem to use for ghost hunting because it sets off random spikes of EMF fields. Oh, well, that's that's redundant. That's like ATM machine, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it is, but I was going to let you go with that anyways. I don't think that any of the technology that ghost hunters use is valid. But again, that's just me. I, you know, I kind of am very wishy-washy with this stuff or I'm apologetic. I don't know. I'm, I'm allowed to be a skeptic, I guess. I think to me, like, there's a lot of things that are unexplained in this world. Do I believe the technology that we use? And I see, I use the term we very broadly. I mean, like, we as humans use, um, is that an ideal way of communicating? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. But I, then again, like, I don't necessarily think that, like, something like, uh, psychometry is, is necessarily real either, right? So the idea of, like, touching an object and being able to talk about its previous owners or, you know, feelings it has or impressions it has, I don't necessarily believe in that either, right? So who am I to judge about all these things? Yeah, but we're allowed to talk about it, and um, the I, I'm also allowed to be creeped out by it, even though I don't believe in it. Um, EVPs super creepy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They, they like uh, Astonishing Legends had something about EVPs recently, and uh, like you know, in my head, I think there was some sort of glitch of some kind. Who knows what it was? I don't know. There has to be a rational explanation. The end result is still the same, though. It's still creepy as heck. Exactly. That's the thing. It's, I don't care how it happened. I don't think it's a ghost. I don't think it's anything otherworldly. Who cares? It's super creepy. And if you want to believe it's a ghost, more power to you. Who cares? It's, it's, it's interesting. It's fun. Um, but I don't think it's anything, uh, let's say, quote unquote, real. I feel like this is kind of like what, uh, a follow up to what we were talking about last week with Desdemona about the idea of like, it's like the adult version of like campfire stories. Like we want to, there's this convention that we want to believe in what we hear. Right. And the idea that like, we've kind of all agreed that this is creepy. So therefore it is. And uh, even though like we think it perhaps to be fake, it still doesn't detract from the actual like raw emotional uh, facet of a lot of these things. Yeah. The, the human mind is set up that way to kind of, to see things that may harm us and make a pattern out of it. And, uh, you know, I'll, I go back to like when I was a kid and thinking that the house was haunted because there were like strange noises downstairs, but it's just whatever. It's an old house. There's noises being made and that's it. It's not haunted. But, you know, I'll, I'll still wake up in the middle of the night totally freaked out by nothing. Uh, and then my rational mind the existence of, of living perhaps is what freaks you out? Yeah. I, uh, sometimes I see the face from communion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes you worry about, you know, where am I going to be in 10 years? Oh, topic change. Cold reading is one of the, uh, my largest, I think, paranormal uh, pet peeves, right? Uh, because it it's very easy to do because 
and I think we've covered this before in a previous episode, but the idea of cold reading is that I'm able to stand in a room with people and someone, someone, a loved one or a friend or an acquaintance who has had an experience with someone in this room and speak to them, right? They can go on random things that a lot of people have in common. Uh, for example, do you know somebody named Robert? Well, I mean, so like the idea, and that's the thing is like, it's just, it's common sense when you really think about it, right? So who, if you look at your audience and they're mostly older, who would you start targeting, right? You'd start targeting um, deceased parents, uh, deceased spouses, perhaps deceased siblings, right? Depending on how old um, your audience is. And then you start going through very, very common names, Robert, Bob, Mitchell. And if you're younger, you know, like uh, Liam or uh, uh, one of the big names in the last couple of years was like William Logan, things like that, right? So you kind of go through the common denominators, as you're saying, and sort of like the the well-trodden uh, tropes of uh what exists mostly right like you're not going to be like okay how many people here uh i'm, I'm sensing a name uh a, a yoka a, a yokozuna you know what i'm saying like <laughs> it's it's not going to happen it's not going to happen so they i think they kind of fall into a few different categories there are the mediums and psychics that actually mean well they've kind of almost tricked themselves into believing what they're doing is good and um, they are actually trying to help people, but they almost don't realize that they're cold reading. So it's like a double cold reading. They're cold reading for themselves and the person that they're trying to help. Then there are those that just trick people and try to make lots and lots of money off of it. Uh, like what, what's his name? John Edwards and uh, James Vanderpra, those, what are those people? Yeah, like uh, even if you want to stretch things a little further, like a, uh, like a Peter Pop offer it. Yeah, uh, his was more, less cold reading, more like technology-based, basically. Yeah, and I think we might cover that in a future episode about how he's used different tech um, shortcuts in order to better reach his audience, unfortunately. But yeah, uh, I do believe like people like John Edwards, you know, people who want to make a name for themselves and become synonymous with this thing. And I do think that, like, unfortunately, it's a lot of um, common sense that people don't re- necessarily recognize because they're forced into this very emotional space and then they have to discuss and describe how they're feeling uh, and so like rationality kind of takes a backseat in a lot of these places because they so very much want to connect again with these people and not understanding that they're being played there's the other group i wanted to bring up as well uh, those that uh, tell you they're tricking you and they explain to you exactly what they're doing like not specifically but like somebody like kreskin right yeah yeah he's he's you're there for a show and he looks like he has total special powers, but he doesn't. He just is really He's good at what he an does. Illusionist. Yeah. But it's, it's incredible what they can do. Um, and they are able to trick you into thinking that they actually are psychics or have some sort of ability. And I think that brings up a really good point too. The idea of like this, in order for the show to work, there needs to be two very distinct yet interlapping um, elements to it. Right. So that, and, a host, you know, or an MC who is well versed, I guess, in a lot of these different things, and then you have to have an, a, a willing uh, participatory audience in order to want to join in. Because if you fill your audience with skeptics, chances are they're not going to try and give you the time of day they would if they are looking to connect with a deceased one or looking to connect with something else. Yeah, if you had an audience full of like me, it would be a very boring show. Everyone would be leaving by intermission. I think, like everybody's like the smug. I know what you're doing. Come on, this is all fake. So it'd be pretty crappy for everyone. So uh, I'm just outing myself as a very boring person, maybe. I don't know. Can I ask you something? Do you think that there are actual people who can do these kinds of things? No. Nope. You're just like, you're dead set against it. Yeah, there's there's no uh, 
No, they can't. If if they may believe that they can, it's like I was saying, where they've kind of almost fooled themselves into thinking they can communicate with the dead. But I really don't think there's anybody that can actually communicate with the dead. Now, if anybody listening to this and is hating me, uh, please feel free to explain why I'm wrong. And if you have any proof of this or any sort of, uh, they don't have to have evidence, any interesting stories about it, I'm willing to listen. I'm totally open-minded to this. But right now, I don't see anything other than tricks because of how good the people that say they're tricking you are at this, like Darren Brown. Have you ever seen the stuff he does? I've heard of him. I, I don't, I'm not familiar with the stuff though. He's another one of these people that can do things that look mind blowing and are not possible, but they are possible. And he tells you, I don't have any magic powers. I'm tricking you. Right. I, I do think that like, that's a very important part of, of the entire process is understanding that you're being tricked. And, and as I was saying before, like it's really, really uh, clearly, uh, not the case when you're looking for that emotional response. And that's why people get preyed upon. And the thing is, even with somebody like Darren Brown, you know you're being tricked, but it's so good that it you can't see the trick. It seems right. like he's read your mind. When really it's just, it's common sense. It, a little bit beyond common sense. There's a lot of skill involved. So no, 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 for sure. Don't get me wrong, but I just, I just mean like at its core, like yes, it's the understanding that like uh, this will most likely have this outcome. Exactly, exactly that. To me, unfortunately, like I, a lot of the the sort of like ties I have to uh, any sort of like cold reading or things like that are kind of like comical in nature. Unfortunately, or like the idea that the 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 dead are trying to talk to us. And I'll give a very brief example of what I'm talking about. Uh, I, I I feel bad laughing, but I don't really care. So. Um, <laughs> My friend's grandmother died uh, some years ago. Let's say like, I don't know, like 12, 13 years ago, right? Okay. And uh, she lived on the second floor of a duplex. So my friend lived um, on the ground floor with his mother, his father, and his sister. Did Luca live in this building too? My name is Luca. No. <laughs> and uh, so the grandmother dies. And uh, so this was uh, my friend's dad's mom. And my friend's dad had a brother and a sister. And so the sister is uh, over maybe like a week afterwards. And we're, she was kind of talking to people. And we were in the front room. And uh, in front of the duplex, there was this like large tree. And inside of the tree, there was this really insistent bird who kept squawking over and over and over and over again. And uh, my friend's aunt started freaking out and then screamed, it's her, it's her, she's trying to talk to us. But it's a bird. It's a bird, yeah. It's a plane. It's grandma. But it, So I kind of like have those kinds of stories where unfortunately like a lot of the people... Um, it's projecting. Yeah, of course. And that's what it is too, right? At the end of the day, is like when you survive a traumatic experience or when you go through something traumatic, you want to uh, connect and associate as much as you can, especially if you love that person, right? So the idea that this bird's trying to talk um, through like the dead person trying to talk through this bird is, 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 isn't crazy at all. It's, it's just, it's very natural to someone who's looking for these things. Exactly right. And that's sort of what, um, the mean bad mediums prey on. And like I said, I'm sure there's really good, nice psychics out there that think they're psychic and think they're doing a service to people. And they are, if you're making somebody happy by helping them feel like they're connecting with a loved one, that's great. It's like I said, the ones that really are doing this maliciously and know they're tricking people. Yeah. And I think those people are in for a world of hurt uh, later on. In the afterlife? No, not necessarily that. I just mean like karmically, right? Like, Yeah. If you believe in that. 
Well, that's a whole other story, right? Uh, just as a closing note, what is worse, a psychic or a remote viewer? Huh. Well, I'm going to say a psychic because of the fact that like they primarily uh, go after an emotion, um, like an emotional response, whereas a uh, a quote unquote uh, <laughs> uh, remote viewer uh, goes after the facts. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, like I said, the psychics that knowingly prey on people's emotions way worse than a remote viewer. Yeah. I still think they're both, uh, in a class of their own though. I'm psychic, Brian. I predict you're going to say, well, that's it for this episode (laughs) of double density. Close, close by no cigar here, Angelo. Uh, That is it for episode 61 uh, of the double density podcast. Yes. (laughs) Tune in as we discuss, uh, tune in next week as we discuss the, uh, the paranormal, uh, movie franchise, uh, poltergeist. Oh, in all of its glory. Yeah, because speaking of, of psychics, cold reading, psychometry, and things like that, why not? Angelo, I uh, I will see you around, but before that, you can always hit us up at double underscore density on Twitter, facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing on Instagram. Peep our new show art. What do you think? It's now week three of our new show art. We love it. Uh, thank you, Angelo, for creating that. Um, and then, as always, you can head over to doubledensity.net to find all the ways in which you can subscribe to our podcast, as well as get in contact with us. Go ahead and click the contact button, and we've actually slightly uh, tweaked the layout on the double density website so go ahead and, and go take a look at that too yeah those new uh templates from fireside are pretty cool looking although we did have to sort of make a bit of a difference with our uh header art to kind of differentiate each one because it looked kind of weird having all the same image over and over again it did and so we kind of found a happy compromise to that but yeah as always you can head on over to doubledensity.net to find out more about us angelo i'm going to see you next week See you next week. I'm going to go watch the last two episodes of Cobra Kai. Exciting. It is. I'm going to try and and find a pirated copy of The Day the Clown Died. Fun. We'll watch it together. (laughs) Perfect. See ya. Hold on, I know exactly where I read it now. Um, yeah, for sure. I think there's a different. Sorry about that. I'm just my earbud fell out. <laughs>